Welcome to episode six of Books That Make Us Better. My name is Kayla Joe. I'm Megan. I'm Lydia. And I'm Jesse. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We are still deep diving into Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Uh, we have yet another vacation out of the way. So I think that's two vacations down, two to go, question mark. Sounds like yeah. it. Yes, two to go. Okay, we can do this. We're just going to keep powering on through. Uh, We will have another giveaway. We just wrapped up two giveaways of our next book, The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. So that's exciting. Congratulations, Jessica and Kayla for uh, getting a free book. And if you head over to our Books That Make Us Better page, we do have another giveaway starting today, Friday. So go do that. If you have not done that, it is pinned to the top of the page. We believe the power to change lives is within our ourselves. We believe with the right attitude, anything can be accomplished. We believe the amount of knowledge and insight available is limitless. But we don't think life should be taken too seriously. Books that make us better. An alpha media podcast. So let's get things started. We are getting things kicked off today with talks. Lydia, take it away. All right. Well, talks is about the Discussions that Glennon has had with her daughter, Tish, about what society is showing us visually and then telling us um, about what a woman should look like or how a woman should be. And the discussions that that they've had about whether or not those are real and um, like when compared to ourselves or other people that we know. And in this chapter, Glennon, she writes... I can teach them how to be critics of the culture instead of blind consumers of it. And they, they're looking at magazines and Glennon can tell that Tish is looking at this magazine and Glennon's like, do you feel like this is what a woman really looks like? And Tish says no. And so it leads them to talking about what is real and what is perception placed on us and, 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 an, expe- and an expectation placed on us because of that perception. And I have to tell you, this is this one. I swear I've had these exact conversations with my daughter and we talk about this stuff all the time. When I think about it, I look at it this way, like my mom and I didn't talk about these things. And so I really internalized what I thought a woman should look like. And then do I live up to that? And if I don't, how how can I? And it was years of like never being happy with who I was. And like the great Maya Angelou said, you do this is paraphrasing. I know I'm going to murder this, but you do what you can until you know better. And then once you know better, you do better. So when I'm raising my daughter, I'm taking those lessons I'm that I've learned internally the hard way. And I'm trying to help her not have to learn it in such a hard way, whether she internalizes it or not, I guess is to be determined, but she does really surprise me with some great insights sometimes. So I feel like it sticks. So one of the interesting things that I saw this week that is along the same lines on Facebook was somebody posted that they had recently gone to a swimming pool and there were so many women who did not have cover-ups, who did not have large t-shirts on that were in the pool playing with their kids and just being there and enjoying it just like any other person should. And I wonder when we get to, you know, your guys's daughter, when daughters, when they grow up, what that's going to look like, what the difference is between women now and how women feel about their body versus, you know, 20 years from now. I wonder how that whole mindset will change. Totally. I, I love watching the, sorry, 
body positivity movement that's like going on all over social media. But also I know there's like this little battle between millennials and <clears throat> what are the young ones? Gen Z? Gen, yeah, Gen Z. Okay. So there's like this battle between them of like, you know, the millennials are supposed to stop wearing their high-waisted jeans and or skinny jeans and their middle parts and whatever. But I saw one where I was like spot on. But, um, you know, like we all grew up in the early 2000s where we wore like the low-rise jeans where our butts were hanging out uh, and it just it was very uncomfortable let's be real so like we gave them high-waisted jeans and body positivity uh so like yeah they have no welcome. idea what we did for them yeah. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> is how i feel because i was like yeah uh yeah you get the body positivity movement right now because of us and you yeah. got those high-waisted jeans to feel comfortable because respect of respect your elders respect the elder millennials <laughs> <laughs> and we're all still stuffing ourselves into skinny jeans because it's just what we're used to i'm fine oh, yeah i would take a skinny jean over a jinko jean though oh, yes. any day i mm-hmm. i hated how it would get wet all up your leg because oh yes. no thank you skinny yes. jeans all the way i want I, yeah i don't want the bottom hem of my pants to be soaking wet if it's no. raining or snowing or whatever no way Ugh. and like not to mention I don't, I, the ones where they're like straight legged baggy pants, I suppose that's fine if you feel comfortable in that, but I can't. Whoever wants it, you wear it, but that's not my jam. I'm going to keep wearing my skinny jeans. Yes. That's where the feminist in me, that's like a struggle because I see that and I'm like, oh, that's so not flattering. And why are you wearing that? And I'm like, Lydia, shut up. It's what they want to wear. Who cares? So constant battle. Are we talking about like Janko jeans? Like I mean, straight. I don't like they sort There's of, like some, like sort the of I don't know if they're like, yeah, I don't know what kind or maybe they're like boyfriend cut or something. I don't know. Yeah. They're they're not baggy like a Jinko, but they're not as skinny. And they don't have the great big pockets either. So I feel like Jesse has something to say. Yep. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I guess go both ways like millennial gen z when it comes to fashion because i definitely still rock skinnies but i'm down for a solid pair of mom jeans now so sorry i guess i'm i'm the odd man out on this one (laughs) first of all i've heard that about you before jesse i think i read it on a bathroom wall somewhere (laughs) (laughs) i think it also kind of ties to my like uh, obs- uh, my insane obsession with thrifting. And so I love finding like old pairs of jeans and trying to, you know, put my little touch on them. So I guess that's part of, that's part of it too. Okay. Well, I support that. Me so too. good job you. I'm yeah, you bring look- my skinny jeans. You do your thing. I like it. I'm just finding, trying to find stuff that doesn't make me look like an Oompa Loompa. So you do you girl. Hey, look like an Oompa Loompa if you want to look like an Oompa Loompa. Okay. You're well, right. I, I think this- sometimes with Kayla and I, we don't want to look like Oompa Loompas, but there isn't clothing that is made. So we don't, it's not that we seek that appearance. It just, we're given that appearance by most clothing. <laughs> it doesn't find, uh, we don't find it. It, it finds, finds us. us. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing to add, this I thought was a really good mindset. I saw this, um, God bless, good old TikTok, was talking about, and I'm not getting weird with it like that 
uh, meditation we did that one time, Jesse, where it was like, yeah. be thankful for your small intestines. But it was talking about how if you can't get on board with the p- body positivity movement, like if you're someone that just like is trying really hard to feel good about the way you look, but you just can't at least appreciate what your body can do. Like, well, you know what? Maybe I don't feel 100% about how I look, but I can squat 100 pounds. And so trying to reframe that mindset of uh, instead of trying to get on board with this body positivity, getting on board with just being grateful for the things that your body can do. And I thought that was a really good uh, good mindset. So if if my body can oompa loompa, then God damn it, I should just appreciate that. Literally. I think I, that's a great way to look at it. Thank you. That yeah. The body positivity and like just feeling good with yourself and then like letting other women feel good about themselves. I just highlighted this one part and I really liked it. Because yes. it was right after Tish was like makes her petition to like save humanity. And she said, I liked her idea uh so much. It wasn't enough for women to have equality with men. They needed equality with each other. How often <clears throat> women <sighs> Man, I mean, like we can just watch it like on The Bachelor, <laughs> how yes. women women just become our own worst enemies when like when we work together, though, it can be so great. So yeah. we just need to find that balance. Anyway, sorry, I can be done. Well, no, one last thing, I guess, now that you say that is that this week in our own uh, group chat, Megan, you brought up a book that we should maybe do next. And like, I feel like we had a pretty healthy discussion. All of us, I think, felt really comfortable bringing our own thoughts um, to the table, but then also respecting what everyone else had to say. And so that's one thing I've appreciated so much about this podcast is that none of us are in competition with each other. Like this is all just something that we're doing to kind of, you know, we're doing it as a group, but we're also supporting each other independently. And like, I just think that's really rad. Yeah. So go, go us. Yeah. Go us. I agree. I love it. It is. It's refreshing. It is refreshing. So how about Woods now? Okay. So Woods, the, the name for this chapter comes from uh, when you might be in a difficult time in your life and you find yourself in the woods and is somebody going to come save you? So specifically it's a story about one of her friends and she's concerned about her middle school son being locked up in his room with his phone for long hours. And so she's worried that he's watching porn. And so Glennon tries to like talk her through it and say, what are you going to do about it? And her friend says she has no idea what she would say. So Glennon kind of gives her a idea of what she could say, because I feel like I'm not sure that I feel like Woods, the chapter is about greater things, about wading into into the hard thing to talk your kid out of it. But also I felt like I had a good message about <laughs> pornography in general and how to address that with your kids. <laughs> Cause I know that, you know, that's, it's going to come up. The internet is prolific. So <clears throat> essentially, you know, Glennon says, while some people might find that there is some porn that is, I don't know, freeing for them, or it's very liberating, the majority of it is misogynistic and violent and not the right message. And she says, you know, you don't want him or your, any of your kids to get the wrong message about it because, you know, sometimes the sex in these uh, videos is just made to sell it quick, get you addicted to it, and um, kind of you get your high like any other drug. But then you come down and it's really wasn't worth it. And so you might get confused when you actually get yourself into a relationship, you know, what is it supposed to look like? And so she makes this distinction that we don't want, want you watching porn because it's bad. 
we don't want you watching porn because the opposite sex is so actually good if you're doing it the right way when you have the good connection and like you, you know you're not there's consent everything all the good things going in so this is why it's so good and so she said you know don't you dare leave your kid in the woods by himself to figure that out you need to wait in there and that's the you know this is parenthood but i think that's also it's not just parenthood it's being an adult and if you have children or young adults in your life, uh, these are lessons that I think you need to help people wade through. Like if you see the lesson, you need to be going deep in the woods with them too and helping them come back out of it because life ain't easy. And while we have it all figured out, telling them, <laughs> we all know maybe, my parents would always tell me, don't do that. But sometimes you have to experience it, right? Or you need someone to come in there with you and pull you back out. So. I think that was the moral of this was you're going into the woods, but you need to help those people out. Mm, I do that think really that's good. a really good analogy, though, into the woods. I did like that, mm -hmm. though. I'm not looking forward to any of those awkward conversations right. that are coming in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I highlighted at the end that she said, um, I think this is to the point of what I was saying. We don't have to have answers for our children. We just have to be brave enough to trek into the woods and ask tough questions with them. We can do hard things. I need you to know that listening to it, having her end it and saying, we can do hard things. So good. There's something else in one of these other chapters that I'm definitely going to try and read it with the same inflection. I don't know. I think it, I can't remember which one, but man, it's so good. I'm going to try it. So get excited. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> this buildup is immense. <laughs> wow. That's a really fitting phrase for this chapter. Buildup. <laughs> <laughs> We're all waiting for the it. climax, Megan. Oh. In the woods. In the woods, yes. Um, so this next chapter reminded me of Lydia because I think Lydia quoted it and posted um, the end part on Facebook. So I actually read this next chapter, Cream Cheeses, while we were driving back from Denver. And I loved this chapter so much that I actually made my husband turn down his music so I could read it aloud to him because I just thought like it was so wonderful. And I did do that. So essentially what Glennon is talking about in the next chapter is an email that she got because the parents um, would kind of take turns and rotate through providing breakfast for the kids after their early morning sports practices. And so a parent will deliver a full spread of bagels, cream cheese, juice, bananas, you know, all the fixings to school. And then the parent sets up a buffet table while the children's practice is going on. So then once they're finished with practice, all the kids can um, have a really good breakfast. We'll also mention that bagels are an excellent carbohydrate to eat after exercise. So I'm just going to Throwing that on out there to everybody. Noted. I love so, Oh, me too. So she gets a an email from one of the moms. And the mom was like, hey, I've got this concern. Last week, one of the moms only brought one kind of cream cheese. And, you know, some of the kids, they didn't like that cream cheese. And so oh, 
the travesty. Some kids had to eat a dry bagel. And so maybe you, Glennon, could go to a shop down the street where they have five different kinds of cream cheeses and you could supply all five flavors of cream cheese and bring them to the breakfast. And so essentially Glennon says five flavors of cream cheese is not how to make a child feel loved. Five flavors of cream cheese is how to make a child an asshole, which I thought was exceptional. So then, you know, she goes on to say that successful parenting is giving your children, it's not giving your children the best of everything. We are cream cheese parents because we haven't stopped to ask, does having the best of everything make the best people? So then she takes it back to the memo. What if we revised our memo? What if we decided that successful parenting includes working to make sure that all kids have enough, not just the particular kids assigned to us have everything? What if we used our mothering love less like a laser burning holes into the children assigned to us and more like the sun making sure all kids are warm? And I like it gives me the goosebumps. Just, I was just going to say goosebumps. Just reading it. It's so wonderful because I do think that we and I being the mom of an only child, guys, I'm guilty. Your girl is guilty. <laughs> guilty as charged. We all do it. Okay. We all do it. Oh, thank God. Uh, what, I have to say I saw a TikTok today. I'm on the TikTok too much. Anyway, um, I saw TikTok today. Well, that is reminding me of the part where she says, what if we used our mothering love less like a laser? Okay. That part. Um, and like burning holes in the children, blah, blah, blah. But like the sun, you know, really spreading it out. Okay. And this mom uh, wore this like dress and it said free mom hugs. And then she had a sign that said um, like if your family didn't uh, accept you. So she's at a pride parade. If your parents or your family didn't accept you, I'll be your mom. Um, you call me for anything like get a hug, whatever. And she's like hugging everybody. And like, she was doing it. She was using her mom love like son. Oh, I so beautiful. That. It was so beautiful. I want to do that. I, I know me too. Ugh. And I, but I, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is on this where you try to be a mom to other kids, like stranger kids that are maybe uh, or something. I'm thinking of a specific example for me where one kid like fell down and I was trying to help him. And then another kid was throwing rocks and it was a little dangerous. And so I used my mom voice every single time I try to spread my mom love. I'm not going to stop. Um, but they give me this look like stranger danger. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Yes, I am a stranger. Can but you see also, my motherly love? Though? <laughs> I'm trying to be chill here. That's my kid over there. And that's my other kid over there. Like I'm, I'm just trying to, I don't know, be a mom and like show you I care. Like, don't look at me like I'm a creep. But no, I get it. Creepy. One time Liam was going through a really hardcore purple dum-dum phase and we went to the park. And so I just grabbed a handful of dum-dums and then I found myself like walking around the playground because I was giving Liam dum-dums. And I'm like, how can I give my own child dum-dums and not offer dum-dums to other kids? And then I realized how creepy it is to offer other people's <laughs> children candy on a playground. And that, you know, I still, I still, I think I saw someone report that on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That incident was actually in the paper. <laughs> this is a very, very loud woman walking around giving kids dumb downs. Okay. Uh, not very loud. You just have a voice that carries. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I still love the chapter. I guess that's probably not the kind of mother love that Glennon's referring to, but nonetheless, 
No, I just, I'm the one that buys all the cream cheese. I don't even have kids and I'd still buy all the cream cheese. <laughs> I like to try all the and cream I, cheese. So I think I would do it that I want all because of them. Of that. I would Who buy it all bagels too somewhere I would and buys one kind. I'm sorry. I agree with the lady that told Glennon, bring the other cream cheese. Put, <laughs> put stiff in the kids on the cream cheese lady. I just want to know uh, where they were originally getting the cream cheese that you couldn't just get a couple different kinds for like 99 cents. I, I mean, or is this, this was a different time. How, how long ago was it? I don't know. Is this all yeah, changed in the last five years? Some well-to-do neighborhood that has like a boutique bagel shop. Right. Yes, that too. Who has a bagel shop? Not Fort Dodge. Not Fort Dodge. Yeah, I, I think I would have thought differently about the story if it would have been a different – like if it was like tennis shoes. Like, oh, the kid has five different types of tennis shoes to play baseball, but it's cream cheese. Just get the cream cheese. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. try all the flavors. Valid. I like – that's valid. Cream cheese in the grand scheme of things isn't that much money. Tennis shoes, right. Yes. Okay, I think we're all on the same page with this. I feel like Jesse pulled me over to her side. <laughs> it's, I love bagels too. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's the foodie in me that's like, get the kids the cream cheese. I would have got the cream cheese. They're not even my kids. I'd have been the stranger with the cream cheese. So <laughs> yeah. there you go, guys. I heard you needed it. Less creepy than the chick with the dum dum <laughs> at the park with cream <laughs> cheese on mean, these hot days. Coming coming unsafe. to a park near you soon. <laughs> <laughs> as all the white vans slowly drive by the white vans with no windows <laughs> yes yes so on to bases what do we got all right so bases uh this chapter was the the title comes from the idea that glennon um, had been watching the cr border crisis and that, you know, children were being taken from their parents who were seeking asylum. And, you know, she was just literally sick about it, like to the point that she slept for like 12 hours because um, it just physically made her sick. And when she woke up in the morning, um, she, uh, you know, got to work right away, uh, assembling a crew um, to, you know, seek change and to make a difference. And so she covers kind of the different types of um, privilege and how they can affect viewpoints in different people. Um, in the very beginning of this chapter, I really like, um, I highlighted a quote and it's kind of a couple sentences here and it says, privilege is being born on third base. Ignorant pri pri privilege, ignorant privilege, sorry, is thinking you, you're there because you hit a triple. Melissa's privilege is complaining uh, that those starving outside the ballpark aren't waiting patiently enough. Um, and she goes on to uh, kind of talk about her nonprofit nonprofit organization and how they have helped um, children who have been separated from their parents be reunited. Um, and then towards the second part of this chapter, she goes into a story um, with her daughter, Emma, um, and how Emma was annoyed at a boy at school who continuously forgot to bring his homework. And because of that, her, her and her classmates were never gonna be able to enjoy this pizza party. And how could someone be so irresponsible and why can't he get it together? And uh, Glennon, uh, you know, go or takes Emma through this idea of using her imagination um, to try to think about what types of things could be going on in this boy's life that could contribute to him for getting his homework and falling asleep in class. And she asks her questions, you know, about what, well, why do you do those things? Why do you do your homework? Why do you not sleep in class? And through that process, Emma is able to develop this kind of softening and an understanding that using the imagination might help her understand someone's situation um, and help her be 
more kind of empathetic to that, but also understanding that circumstances are different and not everybody is as privileged as her. Um, and so, yeah, bases. I thought it was a really good chapter. It was. I got so fired up. I think I told you a while ago that I, I'm making running and listening to this book a thing. Um, sadly, getting mad about this portion of it, I it didn't make me run faster. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Dang it. But I did run harder. Um, the part where the person like came up to her and said that she stopped following her. Yeah. And, oh, man. Don't there's just there, like so many people in my life. Uh, yep. So essentially this mom comes up and says, I cannot imagine, you know, doing this. And we follow the rules. And I thought, you know, coming, I think from my perspective, I have lived in a foreign country and trying to do the bureaucracy in a different language when you don't speak it. Okay, first off, privileged American took off to Germany and, you know, didn't, I knew some German, but I didn't bother to be like fluent in German. And yet we think that's okay. Like that's okay, but it's not okay for somebody else to do that here. Just, I mean, we can talk about double standards all day, but I just reading and listening to that part where she says she can't imagine doing it. And I thought, you can't even imagine outside of your probably picket fence around your house because have you ever even left your city? Do you even know? And maybe you have, but you haven't lived there. You don't know the extreme poverty they're living in. You don't know what kind of like mafia drug cartel is going on. You have no idea what that's like. And are you really, really saying that you would not, you can't imagine doing that with your daughter. You really would not do everything in your power to keep your daughter safe. I don't think that that's what she meant, but she's not thinking about it. And there's so many people that we have that are not putting that perspective. She definitely in the, and in this chapter, I like when you were saying, I can't imagine, she definitely breaks down the fact that I can't imagine kind of has two different tones when people say it. So like sometimes when they, when people use that phrase, they're using like humility and awe and softness and gratitude behind it. And then other times they're using this like dismissal and judgment. And I feel like most of the times probably when I have used it, I probably have been from that place of dismissal and judgment um, because I can't imagine because I, I've never been there. I, I definitely have had feelings in the past where I have gone through that, like, well, why would they even try if they know they could lose their kid? Why? I don't understand it. I can't imagine. And it was that I can't imagine from a dismissal and from a judgment standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, when I read this, it was kind of like, a, oh, I, I have done that. I have been there. And, One of the- um, but only through my, only through my own like evolution and learning and have I been able to come to the other side and understand that humility and awe and softness and just mm-hmm. empathize with that. And But that's great that you can because not everybody can look at it that way and realize, you know, I mean, because, and that's an important step. Yeah, totally. I think um, a lot of people are assuming this is that thing that I went through with my head. I just was having a conversation with a family member in my head. Uh, um, and the things that they would bring up would be, you know, well, they, if they knew that they would lose their kids at the border, why would they do it? And I thought, how much news do you get from Central America that would pertain to you? How much news do you get? Now, think of yourself in their situation. And do you think they're getting any of that news? Like, why would they know... 
but, but that's just comes back to that American mentality where we think that everybody knows what's going on here. I mean, sadly, we are featured everywhere abroad, but not all these tiny things. Why? And if you're if you're living in a place of extreme poverty or maybe not extreme poverty, maybe you're living in a place that's war torn. Maybe you're living in a place that drug cartels, fine. You have all these different situations. Are you really watching the news? Are you really paying attention to that sort of thing? Are you thinking I got to get the fuck out and I got to protect my family and friends? Well, and that's the thing is that I can't Mm -hmm. imagine not letting my son play in the front yard. I can't imagine not letting Liam outside of the house for fear that he would be shot or blown up or kidnapped. Like we are privileged in the fact that we can let our kids be outside. And, you know, of course, aside from the normal parental worries that my brain and I think everybody else's brain goes to, but like, we don't, we don't generally worry about those things. So if it came down to me, you know, running across a border or for me being able to not give Liam a good life for the fear that he would get into drugs or be shot or be murdered. Oh my gosh, I would cross the border 10,000 times. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't stop until I got him somewhere safe. Yeah. And so I just think that because we are not confronted with those issues regularly and that's a generalization, I can't, you know, obviously Different people are from different cities and different um, backgrounds and different areas. So this is just specifically speaking for myself. But because it's not something I'm confronted with, or I think generally America, you know, I think it's not something we think about or consider. So then we hear about these people in other situations and we're like, gee, they're real stupid for trying. I mean, they know they're going to lose their kids. But it's it's we're just not we're lucky. And I think Mm -hmm. we forget about that. We get comfortable and we forget. Yes. And to that point, America has always had this, um, like, this is the place of opportunity. This is the land of freedoms. Mm -hmm. And and like Megan, to your point, they may not have the ability to watch the news and to know all of these things. So in their, they're still viewing America as like the golden land to give them the life they want. Mm -hmm. And so they're just going. Yeah. And yeah. I don't the know. The American yeah. dream is perpetuated. It is. Everywhere. It, it is. And it's, and it's westernized in a lot of other countries where they, I mean, they seek the American dream from their own country. You know, I think yep. that has very much permeated everybody else's uh, general psyche. So it's no wonder they're coming here. They think it's this, yeah, like you said, the great big land of opportunity. Um, but I feel like, uh, the the huge point that Glennon was making is that there's all, all you simply have to do is imagine just for one second, imagine what is going on. And she said, um, I highlighted this part. She says, imagination is the shortest distance between two people, two cultures, two ideologies, two experiences. I mean, yes. simply, it's such a simple step. Can you imagine yourself in that situation? Oh, I'm sorry. One thing last or not, this was a couple of years ago, I think two or three years ago, I had a colleague that I worked with. And um, over the summer, I had been doing just some reading. I like to read books before the year starts as like motivation. And I, you know, it's getting me excited. And I read this book called The Energy Bus. And it was, you know, uplifting and motivational and all that. And so we were talking about it. And she had printed out a new poster for her classroom. And I looked at it, and I read it. And, you know, I asked her to 
you know, tell me more about it. And the poster was fill the space with grace. And so what she wanted herself to do, but also her students to do is like, if there's a, you know, someone's, you know, frustrating you or challenging you, or you don't understand why someone would do something or act away a certain way, fill that space with grace. And, and so I think this chapter was kind of like that and, and maybe, maybe fill that space with imagination. And so anytime I'm finding myself frustrated with, you know, another adult or maybe with a, a student, and I, the very first thing I tell myself is fill the space with grace. Uh, what, what I don't understand and what I don't see, um, you know, is probably a big piece to this puzzle. So I need to take some time to kind of think about that and process that and, ask some more questions to be able to actually react to what is going on instead of in previous times, I think, especially with, you know, adults and colleagues, I'd make assumptions right away and in frustrating situations, be frustrated. And now that allows, you know, just using that fill the space with grace allows me to take that second I need to kind of step back and reflect. That's a great reminder. I'm writing it down. I know. I love that. I would like a whiteboard up in uh, this room I'm in of like, we can do hard things, fill the space with grace. Like I just <laughs> need like a board of all of this great motivational stuff. Yes. This chapter also made me think a lot. So this would be the moment that Jesse got lost in the ether. Don't worry, it took us a minute to find her, but she eventually found her way back to us. Let's dig back in. So Islands is really about taking the time or acknowledging uh, what it is you will allow on your own island, uh, which is, you know, your life, your family unit, what it is you will accept in there and what you won't accept. And then if somebody does something that is not acceptable for you on your island, the importance of acknowledging that and um, not letting that person slide. And she tells the story of her mother and when Glennon came out and announced that she and Abby were in love, she could still tell that her mother was very hesitant about it and worried. And her mom wanted to come and visit, and Glennon told her, you cannot visit until you have worked through your own issues with this because I cannot allow that to be around my children. We aren't living in that space, and my children are are happy, healthy, and I'm not going to allow that energy into our family unit. And I love that so much. And without even realizing it, I mean, without putting it in this context, that's what I do. That's what my husband and I do. But therapy helped me with that. And I just call them boundaries. But I am 100%. This is what I accept. And this is what I don't. And if I don't really care who you are in my life, if you cross that boundary, I will tell you, I will hold you accountable. If you have an issue with me holding you accountable, that's on you, boo. I don't need, I don't care. Like, it's not that I don't, don't want to say I don't care, but it's not going to impact me. It's not going to sway me in letting you back in until you show me that you're learning. Thank you, therapy. <laughs> but I can say that. we are snapping. Can you hear I our collective it. snap? Can. can you hear it, listeners? Uh, but I really like the end of this chapter. And I I basically highlighted like the last four paragraphs. But she says, 
A woman becomes a responsible parent when she stops being an obedient daughter. When she finally understands that she is creating something different from what her parents created. When she begins to build her island, not to their specifications, but hers. Um, and so right now you are being required to choose between remaining an obedient daughter and becoming a responsible mother. Choose mother. Every damn time from here on out, choose mother. Your parents had their turn to build their island. Your turn. And I imagine reading that in Glennon Doyle's voice and goosebumps. <laughs> it's goosebumps. It's good. Love it. Like even, I don't care if you, I mean, even if you don't have kids, like you're building your island, you're building your world, your life, the way you want it to be. If somebody comes in there and wants to mess with it, don't let them. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't have to. I think um I agree with the therapy teaching boundaries. Um, because yeah, I mean, Rob and I do the same thing. And it's I mean, it's oftentimes with family members. Um, but just yeah, uh it took me two years, but finally learning where to draw the line with certain people and how yeah. far I'm gonna let them push me until you know, until I break, basically. So now you know, I don't do that. The, because yeah this is our island this is how we operate here let it go you know yes. i don't there's i the what did abby say only love in yes totally. love in love out love in mm -hmm. and i have a family member that when i was holding that person accountable for some things that were said and they didn't like that they were like oh so you're gonna hold a grudge i said no i'm holding you accountable because what you said is not okay. If you can't manage that, that's not my problem. Didn't really like it, but <laughs> I'm sticking by it. Like, I don't even care. I hold yeah. everyone to that same standard and I don't, that's mm -hmm. just who it is. I don't care who you are. So Thanks I you. feel like I kind of have an interesting perspective on this because I grew up in a really small town, like town of 300 people. And my dad was the Lutheran pastor in town. And so if you want to talk about people having expectations and people having thoughts on the things that you do and thoughts on the things that you don't do and thoughts on the things that you say or you don't say or the things you wear, it was exhausting, exhausting. And so that, and I wouldn't, you, I mean... I don't know that I would blame it on that, or I don't know that I wouldn't blame it on that, but that turned me into a person in my early 20s who had pretty legit social anxiety because I felt like people were always watching me. People are always judging me. People always have opinions, and probably they still do, uh, but like I ran out of fucks to give. And probably my parents would tell you I didn't have many fucks to give while it was happening. But I think as a teenager or as a young person, I did. I probably just the easiest way to go against it was to literally just go against it. Um, how many different colors can I have my hair? How far can I push the boundaries? Like I was kind of that kid because when you are in a glass house, like what else do you do? And so it has been coming from my twenties to my thirties, a really interesting 
learning experience about the things I care about and the things that I don't care about. And I have finally gotten to a place, will agree with therapy included, where I can set a boundary and say, I am doing this because this makes me happy. And if you don't like it, then that's not really my problem. That's your problem because it's my island. But it is a long road. And if you're someone that suffers with social anxiety, it sucks. Social anxiety sucks. Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, the last election and the last presidency really pushed to the forefront for me the the part where she says we Lydia already read it but where you're choosing between being an obedient daughter and becoming a responsible mother that came to a whole head for me because uh you know I couldn't I couldn't just sit by and watch my family and friends uh support somebody Trump I'm just going to say it. I couldn't watch it because I am a human. I'm so glad you clarified that because I didn't know who you were talking about. I was very confused. No. So confused. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm such a humanist. I cannot, I can't stand by and watch other people be hurt. And like, I, a lot of my friends will tell you that I'm kind of, I'm, I mean, Kayla Joe is a pit bull too. So she gets it. We're pit bulls together. I cannot stand by. <clears throat> and so, I definitely was confronted with that here in my 34th year, going to be 35th year of life. I have finally decided that for me, it's more important to be a good mother and a good role model for my kids and other kids that are watching me than to be an obedient daughter. And my therapist helped me realize (laughs) that um, the people who are of a certain age group perhaps aren't trying, they're not trying to make us feel terrible about our choices or like we're being bad daughters and sons. It's just that's the generation they came in and they have a lot of learning to do just like we do. But in their generation, you respected whatever your parents said or elders. You just and you just laid down and just did it. But I'm a millennial and I don't do that. And I, when I make up my mind, I make up my mind and then I just do it. And if you're going to get in my way, you're going to hear about it. <laughs> So I don't, I, I'm happy that I've realized that I, I can be a good daughter, but I don't need to be this obedient daughter. I can be a, I'd rather be a good mom and a good role model than, yeah. I'm with you. (laughs) So many snaps. And while I do agree that people in different generations were raised differently and have, were taught different things. I do not believe that they remain stuck there. I believe they can 100% grow and change if they so choose. I did I did clarify it with yeah. they have a lot of learning to do too. Yeah, I appreciate that you did that because, because I do not take, no. well, that was the generation. I don't no. care. I don't let them sit in it. No. I let them hear about it. We and, all have to know, grow. If they yeah. change, fine. If they learn a little something, fine. Yeah. And if they don't, they don't have to be on your island. Right. They can be in the moat. Love in, love out. Yep. So what do we have for boulders? Uh, Okay, so boulders. Um, Boulders, I feel like this starts, it starts in a similar fashion. It was two in a row um, of her responding in metaphors to letters um, with somebody who 
had just brought their brand new baby home and felt unsure of how to show love um, because their mother didn't do it well. So um, I feel I feel like this is another one. Yeah, it was another chance for her to answer um, a letter that was written into her. And so for her, she used the boulder analogy as indicating that all parents and like friends and family have this love for you, but sometimes they have these obstacles that are boulders. And the obstacle could be anxiety or depression or um, addiction. It could be, it could be many things, um, but this boulder is in the way. And while that person might feel this great big love for you, uh, they can't show it. And so it's hard for you to see that love. And so she's, you know, made the point that I'm sure your mother loved you, but there's probably a boulder in her way that was not keeping her from showing it and you didn't get to see it, but you don't. Um, so this is what I highlighted. You don't get your capacity for love from your parents. They are not your source. Your source is God. You are your own source. Your river is strong. So for me, I, I took the point of, um, you are your own source. Cause I, I'm definitely one of those believers of, you have your own willpower. You have your own source of strength. And so use it. I think this was just a short and sweet way of saying that oh, there, while some people are flawed, a lot of people have issues and those issues really stop them from being a caring human being. And I mean, wouldn't that just be so great if we approach the world in that <laughs> mindset that everyone has this great thing to offer and they have this great love, but there's just something standing in their way. That'd be nice. Fill the space with grace. <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, am I right? It wasn't me that came up with it. I no, I to... know, but you're the advocate but, here. Uh, yes, I feel like it is a good mantra. As usual, I do love a good naturey metaphor. <laughs> I just think the boulder metaphor is just really interesting because we don't. I feel like think about that kind of stuff a lot. I think it's easy for us to point out the flaws in other people, but not always as easy to recognize that other people are carrying their own heavy load on their own backs. And I think also, let me just say that depression and anxiety and just mental illness in general is uh, a battle fought by probably way more people than we understand. Absolutely. It's, it's the unseen, what are they like an unseen illness? Yeah. You don't, you don't know it's there. And, it, and a lot of people are very good at acting. Um, and I will say just to be completely open and honest that I think, um, so Rob and I, uh, stopped drinking recently. Um, and I'm starting to see now that I'm getting further into it, which I'm not like keeping track, but now that we're further into it, I'm seeing that, I didn't have a healthy relationship with drinking and I, and I'm not sure that I can, and I know it runs in my family. So I'm the further away from it I get and the more aware I am of our like family unit right now, I'm realizing the happier and like more, I don't know, cohesive our family unit seems to be. And I don't, I don't know if like, you know, I'm, I'm sure the drinking can affect your mental health as well. Um, despite therapy and 
pills and everything else, I think it can still affect you. And so the further out I'm getting, the further I'm realizing that like that was, it was a boulder that I didn't realize was actually really there. Uh, and it, I know that's strange because I'm like, I'm like, oh no winery, but <laughs> um, I think that, I think you can still enjoy everything that the winery has to offer without actually enjoying the wine as it turns out. <laughs> the ambiance there is 10 out of 10. But the wine's delicious too, so I'm not. I mean, the you wine know, is delicious, but yes. Yeah, me, go ahead. So and much me. other stuff to enjoy. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, I don't, I don't literally do not care because I think many people can have a fine relationship with wine or beer or whatever. I'm just maybe not the one that can. And that's okay. I like LaCroix. I'm okay with that. LaCroix is delicious. I do love LaCroix. I love all sparkling waters. Oh, so Tastes bad. like TV static. <laughs> <laughs> okay, foodie. Like the flavor doesn't come through. Like if you ever tried to watch a TV channel and it was staticky, that's what LaCroix tastes like. No one does TV static anymore. That was like <laughs> well, so 1990s. When did Gordon well, Ramsay get here? Well, when, ne <laughs> when Netflix is buffering, that's what LaCroix tastes like. <laughs> I like the one about LaCroix tastes like if somebody yelled the flavor of a fruit from like three rooms away. <laughs> yes, that's, I agree with that. Snaps to that. But I still love it. so funny. <laughs> I'm snapping and I love LaCroix. I just am so into snapping right now. Can I just say thank you for sharing all of that, Megan, and being vulnerable and open. Yes. Yes. That was yes. awesome. I don't mind. I, I, you know, as I was running and listening is when I kind of, even today, just came to that realization so yeah i feel comfortable sharing with you and our tiny audience <laughs> well that goes to show awesome. you though sometimes we have our own boulders we don't even realize we have that's Absolutely. true i thought i was in a good place i mean i think i was now i'm in a better place good snaps to growth so many snaps <laughs> um, okay, so moving on to bloodbath. This one is a real empowerment chapter, in my opinion. So she talks about, Glennon talks about her Love Warrior book tour and how so many of these readers showed up. But I believe, and I have not read Love Warrior, but I think that's about overcoming, correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody knows, but about overcoming maybe some of the infidelity in her other relationship and then moving forward maybe I think so okay so basically she's in the middle of this book tour and she had a choice to make so she could either reveal her new relationship before she was ready or she could stand in front of all of these readers and hide the most important thing happening in her life so um she felt like it was dividing her into these two different selves and she decided to tell the world that she was in love with Abby. So um, she put it on out there. And one of the things that I really liked, um, and even though I'm in my 30s and not my 40s, she said, I'm 44 years old now, and I'll be damned if I choose that kind of pain ever again of like not being who you actually are. And she said, I left my husband and I am building a life with Abby because I'm a grown ass woman now and I do what the fuck I want. I mean this with deep respect and love and with the desire that you too will do what the fuck you want with your own singular precious life. Oh my gosh, I could snap for that. Like I keep hearing Megan and her like, Oh, hearing Glennon say it was so great and so fabulous. And it like was. that. Oh, that was the one I'm trying to, I have to 
find it though quick because I I do want to keep talking. I'm gonna try and do it in Glennon's voice because oh, amazing. it just is so good. And then it you know she reveals it the next morning. She woke up, she poured herself some coffee, opened the computer, took a long deep breath, and then she got wonderful, wonderful feedback from people and a lot of love and a lot of support. And she said, may we all live in communities where every person's truest self is both held and free. Love it. It was great. Uh, Yeah. And listening to her read that, I think, I think it's funny because when you're reading it, I don't know if anyone else says this, but you sort of read ahead. You might be you're reading forwards, but you might be reading ahead forwards. Yeah, I kind of I kind of do that. I skip ahead and go back and forth. Um, But when you're listening to it, you can't do it. So it was totally unexpected when she said the, you know, because I'm a grown ass woman now and I do what the fuck I want. And then you know, I thought, oh yeah, do what the fuck you want. And she said it in the same way that she said for Alicia Keys, I do what the fuck I want. (laughs) And then she says. The part where she says, I mean this with deep respect and love and with a desire that you too will do what the fuck you want with your own singular precious life. Because it was this like motivational, like that you too will do what the fuck you want. And I was like, yes. That is so great. It's it was so just great. a surprise. And I laughed out loud. And that's hard to laugh when you're running. But I did it. <laughs> I didn't fall and die. <laughs> Good on Thank you, God. girl. I had the stroller to not fall down. And that's it. I guess that's the moral of the chapter. Do what the fuck you want. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Word. And, and you know, I think the other point was um, recognize your community that does support you and forget about all those, I don't know, who don't. And I yeah. think we, ta- we talked about this in our chat also this week that we don't, we're going to displease people. You will in your life displease people. And I think that's the biggest thing that has been difficult for us as a a business to understand that while we have most people are super happy to come to the winery, of course we have somebody who's not happy and we get complaints and that's fine. But in the beginning it was really hard. I have worked in customer service, so it wasn't hard for me, but in the beginning it was harder for um, some other parts of my family to, uh, I don't know, battle with that and really try to balance it with, oh, I'm trying to be a people pleaser and oh, I really want people to be happy, but also I can't, I can't go overboard. And I think that that is probably like the best, not the best, but one of those those good nuggets of truth in your life that you're always going to make somebody upset and you can't help that. So better to just not dwell on it and move on because they're not your problem. It's their problem. There's a quote in blood blood baths that kind of goes along with what you're saying, but from the other end. And so I'm thinking about the people who are casting judgment. And she talks about that judgment is just another cage we live in. So we don't have to feel, know, and imagine. Judgment is self-abandonment. And I think if we all took the time to really think about judgment that way when we are thinking about other people or, uh, you know, in businesses or whatever instances that we have judgments about, did we really take time to feel, know, or imagine before we even cast that? Because I know I'm 100% guilty of just immediate, like, judgment. Like, I'm like, God, I'm freaking Judge Judy over here, like, all day long. And I'm like, I never, it was just so a part of my life and that I just 
said, oh, it's human to do that. Well, it might be human, but that doesn't mean it's right. And like, are there ways to work through that? And so I liked that part. Mm, I did too. That was good. So at the very end of the game here, we took a look at the next chapter, which is called Racists. And what we decided was that this chapter deserves an episode all of its own. It was important to all of us that we paid respect to this chapter. We talked about it thoroughly. So we decided as a group that we would release this next chapter as its own episode coming up this Tuesday at 5 a.m. So we have kind of a special episode coming up. So if it feels like this episode ended kind of abruptly, well, that's because it did. So don't forget to head on over to our Facebook page, Books That Make Us Better. Share that post for a chance to win your own copy of The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And this time, instead of talking to you next Friday, we will talk to you next Tuesday with a special release episode highlighting the chapter Racists from Untamed by Glennon Doyle.